Our computer shut down near the beginning of this sermon, so we lost audio recording from the main source. There will be about three minutes where the audio isn't great, but it will go back to normal. Well, listen, I hope we don't lose the joy of Christmas, right? There's some fun in Christmas, but there's also some joy in Christmas. Now, I have to tell you, and I talked to Kristen, I've talked to, to um, Melody, Melody's out of town this weekend, but sometimes Christmas music brings me down. It sounds depressing sometimes, and I said this from the 1700s, 1800s, it should be a joyful, I almost think it should be some loud yelling music or something, I don't know, something that's shouting, Jesus was born, Jesus was born. It should sound like a football game almost to me sometimes, right? Because we're so excited that the Savior of the world has come into the world. Now, part of my problem too is I can't sing that high-pitched song. So whenever I get, we go to those high notes, I just drop out, right? And I fall out. But some of the Christmas stories we've been talking about together for the last few weeks is we've made a Christmas story that's real pretty, pretty in song, pretty, pretty in, in, in scene. Uh, but sometimes they go back where all their families, all their cousins were from. And now they're coming back to that place, the Lord Jesus Christ has been born. We saw the Magi, the wise men last week. And the Magi come some maybe up to two years later. The Magi came to Bethlehem and Mary and Joseph were already in a house. So when the shepherds come, Mary and Joseph are in a, they're in a shelter of some type. Uh, we would call it a stable. Uh, but they, Jesus was laid in a manger when the shepherds saw him. He was not wearing strips of cloth when the wise men came. Still probably not very affluent. Joseph's probably reestablished his carpentry skills there in Bethlehem. He's got a new market. And it makes me wonder, why did they go back to Nazareth? Why did the wise men find them there in Bethlehem? Number one reason is because that's where God said he was going to be. And the other number two reason is that's where God said the star would stand over and he would be. Uh, number three, because uh, that's where they lived, right? What do you think kept them from going back to hometown? What happened in the hometown? If you think really critically, it takes a little bit of critical thinking. What happened back in the hometown, small village where everybody knows everybody, everybody talks about everybody, right? What happened to Mary in that small town? She was betrothed to a man to be married, and yet she was pregnant. And was she showing when she lived in the hometown? Well, when she got to Bethlehem, what did she do? She gave birth. So there was a period of months that happened. She, we know she went to Elizabeth, her cousin's house, or her aunt's house, depends on what relationship she was. And she was six months pregnant, but she was pregnant. How do we know that the town people knew about it? Because later on when Jesus was ministering, uh, they call him a, a man without a father. And, and it's a curse word today in our, in our language. They cursed Christ when he was ministering among them. They said, we know who our father is. What was the implication? You don't know who your daddy is. Uh, you don't know your father because your mother was pregnant before you and your mother, your mother and your father got married. Uh, you see the accusation. So there was a, probably a lot of stigma going back to Nazareth. So therefore, the wise men found them, as we read last week, in Bethlehem. But that was also God's divine appointment. They would be found in Bethlehem because there was a divine appointment there in Bethlehem because God says, out of Egypt, I've called my, my son. And how does he come out of Egypt? Unless he's pressured by Herod to leave Bethlehem, commanded by angel to go to Egypt. How do they finance that? They can't go. They're poor. He didn't sell that much furniture. He's not selling that many. And Joseph, probably he probably made mangers for a living as well. He's not made them enough money to travel to another African nation. He's having to leave Asia and go to Africa. 
Does that make a difference, that difference today? Instead of Bethlehem to Egypt, he left the continent of Asia to go to Africa. And when he goes, how does he get there? They don't have any money. And we know that the presents, the gifts that the wise men gave last week of the gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were very expensive gifts given to Mary, but given directly to the Lord Jesus. And what did mom and dad do with it? They financed their journey with the gifts that they were given. So God sustained them. God had a plan, even additional plans, and additional plans, and additional plans for everybody involved in the story. For the wise men, he had a plan. For Herod, he had a plan, even though Herod disobeyed him. For the chief priests and the scribes, he had a plan. For Joseph and Mary, he had a plan. And we know that for Lord Jesus Christ, he had a plan. What was the plan of Jesus? I mean, the whole purpose of Christmas, we, if we keep reading it there in the book of Luke and we read in Matthew, the two different stories, we find that Herod found out that the wise men did not come back. So he knew it precisely when they, when did you see the star? Last week we read, he said, when did y'all see the star? And the wise men shared with him and he sent them on their way. So Herod took that date that they saw the star, and the Bible says, if you go back and read, he killed every male child two years and under in the region. Some people estimate he killed 14,000 boys just so he thinks he could slaughter the king of the Jews. He traveled the whole region, ordering his army to kill every boy two years old and under. How fair is that? It Was that prophesied as well? The Bible said that would even happen. There was a prophecy that that would actually happen. And people's like, when would that happen? When would that happen? And it actually happened. You continue to read, and as Jesus was dedicated there at the temple, he received circumcision, the mark of the covenant. And then he moves on. He, he lives his ministry. We find him again. We see him as a, as a baby. We see Jesus as a preschooler. We see him as a preteen at age 12 talking in the temple. And then we see him again as a man fulfilling his ministry for about three years from age about 30 to 33. And then we see Jesus died on the cross. He died for all men's sin. And then he was buried in a borrowed tomb we sang about last week. And then he rose again the third day. And that should make the church of God say what? Amen. Amen. Uh, a little bit louder. What, what should that really make the church of God say? This is talking about your soul. This is talking about where you're going to spend eternity. This is your gateway, your avenue to heaven. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And the church should say what? Amen. No, say it, little, say it like your team won. Ready? Amen. Amen. It's to praise the Lord because your team did win. We're on team Jesus. So look, as this book is written, we go back and see, and, and I titled today's <clears throat> sermon, Dear Friends, I will see you soon. I will see you soon. Why are we going to see him soon? I want you to look in the Word of God. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to jump all the way through, back to actually the, his ministry. The words of our Savior in I was reading this going, Lord, how come we don't read this more often? This is the words of God. This is the word directly from Jesus Christ, quotes Jesus. And how come we don't read this more often? We should sit with our coffee. We should sit with our lunch. We should skip coffee and lunch sometimes and just sit with the Lord and just meditate on his word saying, Lord, you're speaking, you're speaking to me. And what is he trying to speak to the world? The people of his time heard it. They knew about him. They knew the story. They knew the Messiah, but yet they're much like us today, and they're just comfortable with the story. It's just a good story. This is much more than a good story. This is the story of life, the story of truth. Now, set the scene. Jesus is ministering, and Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the Jews, he had probably been my age or older, he comes to Jesus by night. Why did he come at night? Some people said that he didn't want to be seen. 
Some people said he had to work all day, therefore he came in the evening. Whatever it might be, he comes to Jesus at night. He's a ruler of the Jews. He's a man who knows the word of God. He had to memorize large portions, especially the first five books of the Torah. He had to, the, the Torah, he had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. And he comes to Jesus, he says, listen, watch what he says in John chapter 3, uh, verse 1. There came a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, thank you very much, Nicodemus. I appreciate that. Is that what he says? What's your red letters? If you have red letters, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He didn't say, thank you for those kind words. He didn't say, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for noticing me. He said, you must be born again. He just cut through the chase, right? He cut all the religion. You ever trim? If you ever go and buy chicken with all the extra fat on it, you ever seen the chicken with the white fat? You got to trim. We cook for the church. Well, I trim all the fat off, and then Chong used to come in, and she'd trim even more behind me. You won't eat pig fat or chicken fat in Town Creek Baptist Church as long as Chong's in the kitchen. She'll trim it all off, throw it all away, or she'll, she'll, she'll save it for a rainy day or something, to, but she, she won't use it, won't eat it. So if you ever work with her in the kitchen, just, just, I don't even, don't even bother cutting the fat off because John's going to cut even more off. She's going to come in and she's going to clean it like slick. Well, here, listen, I want to cut the fat, if you will, off this story. Jesus cut through all the religious fat, if you will, that Nicodemus was trying to throw out before the Lord. And I hope this Christmas season, you cut the fat off the Christmas story. Yes, it's nice to sing the songs. Yes, it's nice to read the poetry. Yes, it's wonderful to read the scripture because it's the truth. It's a biblical narrative that we've given, we've been given by God. But we must not dwell just on this portion of the scripture. Jesus is not, here's the news bulletin, he's not a baby anymore. Amen? That was a once and done. Here's another bulletin for you, and for your Roman Catholic friends, Jesus is not hanging on a cross. He died on the cross. Joseph of Arimathea took his body down according to the scripture. He was laid in a borrowed tomb. The Bible says among the wicked, among the wicked, he was strung up high between two thieves, was he not? Among the wicked. And then he was, he was buried with the rich. How? Joseph of Arimathea asked for his body, took his body down, wrapped him, and guess who else was there wrapping his body, getting it ready for burial? This old boy, Nicodemus. He finally got the truth. It finally clicked with him this season that he understood what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected. Listen, he came to the place, he took him, and he helped wrap his body, and they laid him in a manger. What did Nicodemus do if he helped bury Jesus? He disqualified himself from his religion. And some of you and some of us need to be disqualified from our religion. We need to get over ourselves. We need to get over what grandma used to tell us. We need to get over wives' tales. We need to get over the, the name it and claim it mess that's going on in our society. We need to come to the place and say, what does the word of God say? And we need to live and walk in this truth. Amen? This is how we should live according to what the word says. Now, we keep going. There's other things that Jesus told Nicodemus. How can a man be born again? Because Nicodemus asked that question. You can read that for yourself if you continue to read John chapter 3. But I want to pick up in verse 16. For God so loved the world. This is Jesus speaking, by the way, if you want to put quotations, because it's true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what, church? Is that a wonderful, is, does that roll off your tongue sweetly? Everlasting life. What is the opposite of everlasting life? Eternal doom, eternal damnation, everlasting death, even living in death. So if it's true that there's everlasting life, then the opposite is true, there's an everlasting death living. 
because you can't die. Y'all know that, right? These old bodies will quit working. There'll be a funeral service for you. You'll be put in a box. That body, this, the Bible calls this a temporary tent. Nobody lives in a tent. Nobody in their right mind lives in a tent their whole life unless they're nomads. And in America, we don't do that, right? We go, t- we go camping. And now we don't even go camping anymore. We go glamping, right? People want to go to the, uh, glamour camping. We go just, just, to the, just to the extreme. But this is a tent, the Bible says. What you're seeing is the tent. The real you is your soul. And your soul will spend eternity somewhere. When you die, time, the moment you drop dead, either present with the Lord, the Bible says, or you're forever separated from God. There is no redos in the kingdom of God when you say, well, I'll do it later, and I'll let my family. The Catholic Church has got a racket going on. There is no place called purgatory. I'll stand in front of the Pope if he was here today and confront him that find it in the word of God, there is no purgatory. You can't pray your way out. You can't pay your way out of hell. When you die, there's only two places you will go, and that's either heaven or you'll go to hell. You don't have to like it, but that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus said, listen, he didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. But you're so rock-headed that you want to do it your way, and I want to do it my way, that we think we can figure our, our stuff out of it like Nicodemus. Is that true? When we fight God, we push against God, we resist God, but there's got to be another way because who's going to believe this story that's 2,000 years old? I don't want to share my faith because it sounds kind of crazy. We're talking about an invisible God I've never seen. We're singing songs to the God we've never seen. How do I know that he's real? And when you encounter him, the Holy Spirit, listen, you know that you know that you know that you're saved. You have that living relationship with him. Listen, how can you explain it? Well, I can't explain it except by faith. It's God's grace that was poured out on me. God gave me the gift. How about that gift you got at Christmas? What's your favorite gift? Did somebody give you a gift? Did you open it? It's, imagine all these, if these were all gifts laying under the tree. Well, I really appreciate what somebody did for me. I really believe a gift giver gave those gifts. But I'm not going to open them because I'm not worthy. Right? You ever hear people talk about the worthiness of being of Christ? I'm not worthy to be saved. Let me just go ahead and set it straight. You're a sorry good for nothing, and you're not worthy of being saved. Is that true? Oh, what a worm, what a wretch am I, not worthy of salvation. Would you give, oh, that's not a big amen story, is it? You're a good for nothing, worm, wretch, whatever you want to call it. The worst name you can call yourself, call yourself that. That's who you are. We talk about who he is. That's who you are. That's who I am. We're sinners by nature. We're sinners the time we come from a mother's womb. We're sinners. You don't have to like that. Some of you turn your nose up for that because you know it's true. It's like that stinky smell, right? You're a mean one. Mr. Sinner, right? Who you are? You're foul. You're all those things. That's who you are. That's who we are as a human being. That's who your baby is, that cute little baby in the nursery. Sinner, right? Pastor, how can you say that? Well, just wait if they had not shown you yet. Those babies will poop on you and tell you to feed you again, right? <laughs> give me, give me mine, 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 mine. We're all that way, and if we don't grow out of our immaturity and come to the place of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, that's how we'll die. There's people that are in their late ages and going, give me, give me, give me. Do it my way. But when you give your life to Christ, you bring sorriness to the cross and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I am no good. That's true. I am who the Word says I am. But listen, I received that free gift of salvation. I'll take all the gifts you want to give me and open them up and receive them unto myself. And when you do that, the Bible calls you a blood-bought saint of the living God. Isn't that amazing to think about? I give it all the trash away. I got nothing to give. And he gives me the gifts, greater gifts than the wise men gave that day, greater gifts than we can give one another. 
He's given us the gift of eternal life, a promise from Jesus. And you say, well, where does it say he didn't come to condemn me? Look at verse 17. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what, church? Saved. This is God's desire. He don't want to punish people. His desire is that people would get in line with him and receive the free gift of salvation that he offers to everyone. Every woman, uh, man, boy, girl, every teenager, every college person, you know, he wants them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't, this Christmas story is not about condemnation. Unless we continue to read and we're like the people in verse 19 and 2021. Let's read 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. That's me, by the way. Look, not condemned. Hope that's you. But he who does not believe it is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is the only way for a human being, no matter what planet, what part of the planet you're on, what continent you're on, what is the only way for a human being to be condemned? That's for not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You stand condemned. Is there any, any way to go from being condemned to uncondemned? The answer is yes. When I believe at the moment of belief that I hear the truth of the word of God, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, today is the day of salvation. I say, yes, I want some of that. I go from condemnation because I'm in sin to not being condemned because I've been set free. I have everlasting. I've exchanged the old me for the new me given by the Holy Spirit of God. You say, why wouldn't everybody take this gift? Doesn't that make sense? If it's a free, valuable gift, the question is, why wouldn't everyone take this gift? It didn't make any sense that someone would say, I don't want that gift. No, thank you. I, I, I just, I'd rather go to hell, live my way. I'd rather be a drunkard, don't know where I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'd rather just be traveling. I'd love to be my party, party life, wake up with hangovers. That's just, I love it. It's my favorite. And I want to go to hell when I die. Do people say that? I used to hear when I was in, in high school, listen, because of the, my brothers made me listen to loud rock and roll 70s classic music sitting in the back of their car. Eight tracks, y'all remember those? Leonard Skinner and ACDC, I listened to all this stuff. It's in my head, right? We listened to it. And there was one song called Highway to Hell, right? And it was like, it's a, it, it was a, it, it's kind of a great beat to it. Uh, but it comes to the place and then people just say, well, I'm going to go to hell because all my friends are going to hell. We're going to party in hell. You ever heard that? And I started thinking, well, hell is a place of fire. So if you got anything that's consumable, what's going to happen to it? Well, you can't enjoy it. And if the rich man said, hey, send Lazarus just to touch a little bit of water on my tongue. Uh, if you have alcohol in hell, one, how you going to, Budweiser don't deliver in hell just for the record, but what you going to do? If the rich man can't get a drop of water on his tongue, how in the world is your stupid friends going to get beer or alcohol in hell? That should be a big amen, right? You bunch of duh. That's how stupid you are. All your marijuana and drugs, if you could get a gateway to it, somewhere, wherever the abyss is to open up and go dump them in, what's going to happen when the fire comes up? So, aka, just to let your friends know today and let you know, there are no parties in hell. Nothing but torment. Nothing but eternal. Listen, y'all, listen to the seriousness. Nothing but soul torment forever. You will get your new body. Your new body can't burn. Did y'all know that? You will not be consumed. Y'all, 
if I preach about it and you sit and think about it, you'll get sick to your stomach to think. We have family and friends that are actually burning in a place of, uh, listen, separate from God in torment right now. The lake of fire, no one's in yet. It's coming. At judgment, listen, at the great white throne judgment, every man, woman, boy, and girl that don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ will stand before God, and they're going to give their excuses. You'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. He's going to cast them into what we know as the lake of fire. This should drive us to tell our brothers and sisters, our, our family members, our friends, our enemies, listen, don't go to that place. That place is real. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came so he wouldn't condemn you. And I don't condemn you this morning. I'm telling you the way, the truth, and the life is through Jesus Christ. That's not condemnation. That's a freedom pass that you got from Jesus Christ today if you would only receive it. Your friends don't know. Talk to them about hell. Listen, they'll talk about sin and evil. Even all those old crazy songs will talk about it. They know what it is because it's our nature. And God, Christmas is about giving us that new nature. Here's 19. Listen, why are people condemned? And this is the condemnation that the light has come to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were and are evil. Is that true? For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. To that we say, Praise the Lord. Amen. Who does all the work for you and me? Who died on the cross for us? Who saves our soul? Who has a future for us? Who we spend eternity with? That's the truth in the word of God. That's the love letter from heaven. God's trying to tell you and he's trying to me, don't receive the condemnation of sin. Yes, you were given birth. Your mother gave birth to you. You didn't have anything to do with that. But you have something to do with your salvation. And you had to receive that free gift of salvation. Let's look at the letter, if you will. Jesus, if you will, your notes. Jesus began a new chapter in the history of mankind when he came to earth to be born of a virgin. He came that he might give eternal life to all those who would believe. He gave his life's blood for you and me. There is more good news than just Christmas and just Easter. Good news is he's coming again. He said he was coming the first time. He sent messengers. He sent prophets. He sent angels, right? He sent everything you can send to tell you he's coming. Yet he's also did the same thing for us, for you and me, that he said he's coming again. He's coming to take home his church to rapture us out, and it could be today. I've said it for how many years? Listen, we're seven days closer this week than we were last week, and I've been saying that for almost 12 years. The days are counting down, amen? I believe it's coming soon, and I believe if you hear the word of God this side of, this side of the, the rapture, you will not, you cannot receive the Lord Jesus Christ on the other side. Some people say, well, I just wait to see everybody's gone, and then I'll make a decision to follow Christ. You won't. The Bible's very clear. Those that have heard the love of God, can you hear the love of God saying, I don't condemn you, my brother, my sister, my friend, my creation. I don't condemn you. I love you. But you must receive me as your Lord and Savior. I won't force you. I will offer you. But if you don't receive me, listen, I believe the Bible's very clear. If you read First Thessalonians, he's going to put a cap on you, and you'll believe the lie of the Antichrist. You'll believe the lie. You'll take the mark of the beast. But there are people who will be saved during that time. We'll talk about that later. It's a letter that we get in Revelation, but you've heard the truth. Y'all have heard in this setting here and those who are watching live, live streaming today have heard the truth. You must be born again to enter the, heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven. You must be. And when you enter into the kingdom of heaven, then you become a citizen of the king. And then you do the king's bidding. You're his ambassador as you walk through this life. 
we are terrible. If we were employees of the king, he would fire every one of us, wouldn't he? Because even after we say, thank you for that free gift of, of Christmas, and then the New Year's comes and the bills come for that Christmas bill that you run up, you start saying, oh, me, oh, my. I ain't got time to go to church on Sunday. I got to work overtime to pay for those bills. And what happens is we cut the Lord Jesus Christ out. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, no thank you. Because now you're getting in my way. And what he'll do is say, listen, straighten up. He'll get you back in line, get fixed, come back. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's for believers, by the way, just for the record. He cleans us up. But we must come to that place that we reckon with God and tell him the truth. Because he already knows the truth. Look at the second part of your note. Jesus spoke with clarity. He said he loves the people of the world, therefore he gave his life for all people. Is that true from the word of God? Share these notes with somebody this week when you get together. We still have a few days off. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he offers anyone who will receive him the gift of eternal life. He continues to fulfill the promise of his name. Of his name. And what is his name, by the way, in Matthew 121? He told Joseph, the angel told Joseph, you shall call him Jesus because he will do what? Save his people from their, from their sins. And therefore, his name is what? Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, our Lord. He's still saving sinners from their sins today. Is that true? But he's only saving the sinners that the saints tell about the good news. He's not sending angels today to tell the good news. He's sending you and me. And you say, well, he's not sending me because I'm not going. Then get on board with Christ. You are his evangels, right? Not his angels. You are his evangels, his messengers. You must go. I don't have the gift of evangelism, Pastor. Okay. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. And, Lord, remember, I'm always with you to the end of the age. Where does that say you have to have the gift of evangelism to do that? Did the shepherds have the gift of evangelism that, w that went down and saw the, the Messiah King and went through the place telling everybody, did they have the gift of evangelism? No, they were just shepherds. Did the Magi, did they have the gift of evangelism? We have a record of what they said. They fell down and worshiped him. What gift are you waiting for? Salvation is the gift that enables us to tell someone else. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what Adrian Rogers said. I found some bread over here, and I can eat it all myself. It's going to go bad because I can't eat all of it. So I come out and tell all the other beggars, like in the Old Testament. Y'all remember when that happened? The story with the two men that were leprosy, and they were cast out from everyone else. God did a miraculous work. He slain all the enemy, and the enemies, the what was left, left everything there. And they're eating all the food they can eat because nobody else can be around them. And they're like, it would be a sin if we kept this to ourselves. So they go over and they say, listen, hey, We've only been in this area so you don't get leprosy, but the enemy has gone and left their treasure and left their food. And all of Israel was able to come in and feed themselves or the army. Y'all listen, that's who we are. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Amen? Three of y'all believe that. Hey, Jesus wants you to be saved. This is in your notes. This was his purpose and his mission. 317 tells you, John 317 tells you clearly, I came, listen, I came not to condemn the world, but listen, to give the world free gifts of eternal life. I want to give you gifts of eternal life. People who choose to live sinful uh, spiritual darkness will be exposed in due season by the light of Christ. Is that true? 319, he says, you're going to be exposed. Y'all, I just heard, uh, uh, broke my heart of 
and I won't say his name because I don't want to spread the, the awfulness. I don't know how to explain it. Just one of my, not a, not a hero, men hard to understand. I didn't know it until my son told me. I, looked, I had to look it up and do research. But a very um, well-known pastor, evangelist who's, who recently passed away, had a deep secret sin life. And it's now coming out and being revealed publicly after his death. And I want to tell you, over Christmas, it made me sick in my stomach. I didn't want to, I didn't want to smile. I didn't want to celebrate. It just, it just broke my heart like, is this true? There's no way that's true. And I looked it up, researched it, and found out to be true. And I'm going to ask when I was like, who could ever trust pastors anymore? Who could ever trust evangelists anymore? Who could trust anybody anymore when you come to these people that preach like me, that preach against sin, and then turn back around and we find out this person has been engaging in a sinful, private sinful lifestyle? No, it made me sick to my stomach saying, how many people are going to come to places and say, see, I told you so. But let me encourage you to do something today. I never, the Bible, you'll never find one place that says, turn your eyes upon Clint Smith, Right? or name that name, whoever that name might be that you look up to. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Focus on Jesus. You'll never be let down. You'll never find a sin situation. You'll never be upset with him. You'll never come to the place that actually you find that he did something wrong because he was sinless and still is sinless because he is God. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Amen? Go through and look, let me give you the rest of these notes, if you would. I want to go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go there first, and then we'll get into the notes. 1 Corinthians 15. You said, well, those passages go together. I'll show you. Because the dear friend, I will see you soon, is from Jesus. He said, I'm coming. He did come. He said, I was going to die. Three days later, I'll be resurrected. He did die on the cross. He was buried, and he was resurrected, just as the Scripture said. Y'all, you can't put this stuff, you can't make this stuff up right? We, we couldn't even put this together ourselves. This was God's plan before the foundations of the earth. 1 Corinthians 15, if you're there, say amen. It's very important to read this. 1 Corinthians 15, I want to pick up in verse 50, and you have the scripture reference up on your, in your notes. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Somebody understand that? This body will not go to heaven. You say, what about Elijah? God had to do it. He had to, I don't know if he's in a bubble, what, is, what, what his deal is, but he's, he's a special case. You and me are not going to heaven in these bodies. You say, well, how do you know? Well, that's why we have a Bible. We keep reading, amen? Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. Uh-oh, here's a mystery in the word of God. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all be What? Changed, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Could y'all do this for me just because I was a little ADHD kid when I was a kid, and I still am as an adult sometimes. Y'all just do this for me. Y'all do that real quick, just a twinkling of an eye. Can y'all do it? All of you are doing it because you think it's childish. Do it. I'm going to keep doing it until you do it. Do it. That's how quick it's going to happen, in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye, watch what's going to happen. This is good news, y'all. This is a mystery told to us from Paul by the inspiration of God. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on what? Immortality. 
So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? That's Hosea 13, 14. Verse 56 goes on to explain the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord. Woo! Amen? That gets me fired up. Listen, I'm going to stay with the Lord, doing the Lord's work the Lord's way. Because we know if we do it God's way, we get what? God results every single time. And if we stay with the Lord, here's what we know. Doing the Lord's work the Lord's way, he's never going to leave us nor forsake us, and we have a future ahead of us. We have rewards ahead of us. There's other scriptures that tell us about the rewards in heaven that we have. Does that not get you excited this morning? Makes you want to throw the pulpit. I just want to just throw, kick over the flowers. Woo! Just want to get crazy, excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. I won't kick your flowers. Some of y'all bought these flowers, so I won't kick them. Alex gave me the pulpit, so I won't break it. I want you to see, listen, there's things in the Word of God if we would just simply read them and say, these are promises for me. This belongs to me. This is God's Word to me. You say, well, it's for the whole world. Okay. I'm in the world. For God so loved the world. That's not the planet or the dirt that we're spending on. It's me. It's you. It's the people. These promises are for the beloved, for the saints. Look at your notes again. The kingdom of God is real. It's real. Christians will experience it by means of death or being taken up. We're going to be translated, right? The rapture is, the rapture will be taken out. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the Bible says it's going to be a snatching away. You ever snatch something out of somebody's hand? When I was a kid, it was always a fun thing to do, snatch because everybody's like shocked that you were, what? What'd you do that for? Snatch it. You give it back to them. I'll show you I can take it. That's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to snatch the church out in the twinkling of an eye. We're gone. And in the process, those who have died before us, what about those people? Because the Thessalonians, listen, they're like, oh, me. What's going to happen to Grandma now if Jesus comes? Because they were hearing rumors that Jesus had already come, left some of them behind. They had already heard if you died before he comes, that you're going to stay dead. They were scared to death. They didn't know what the truth was. And this is going to get back up in the book of Acts when we pick it back up next week. Paul said, I want to tell you something. In the Corinthians Church of Corinth, he said, I want to tell you a mystery. I want to tell you something that God showed me. You don't have to worry about this stuff. Because the word of God's true. And he told him, keep doing the Lord's work the Lord's way. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Don't let somebody come up against you and say all that Jesus stuff is just stupid. Okay? Thank you for your opinion. You keep going. You stay steadfast. You're like a train on a track. And where are we headed? We're heading to heaven. Stay chew, chew, and chew, and chew. Amen? Don't stop. When the steam gets low, shovel more, more coal, right? Keep shoveling. Keep working till Jesus comes or till we get to the end of this life. One's going to happen. You're either going to die are you going to be translated? That's a good word. Listen, that's a good word from the Word of God. I'm glad three of y'all believe that too. All right, let's keep going. Listen, I want you to see something, verse 54 through 57. Only faithful followers of Christ have the promise of victory over death through the Lord Jesus Christ. How, did, how in the world does Hosea know this from way back in the day to tell you and me that we're actually going to see this day coming? That we're going to be translated. The incorruptible is going to put, listen, going to come to the place the corruptible is going to put on incorruptible. 
I'm mortal right now, but y'all, I got a secret S on my chest, and it's not because I'm Superman. It's because the Savior of the world has saved me. This body's going to drop dead one day or be translated. But at my funeral, listen, I've written out some things. I don't want somebody to say, poor Brother Clint. We love him. He was crazy, and he, he worked hard for Jesus. Listen, I wanted him to say, he's right here in this box, absent from the body, present with the Lord. His soul is forever with Jesus, forever with Jesus. That's what should be said about you, and that's what we should have said about me. Listen, that should get you excited. This is what Christmas is all about. Dear friend, here's the good news that we have from the Lord Jesus Christ. God has left the Christ followers on earth to remain immovable. He charges us to continue in the work of the Lord. This is your job. This is your task. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how many years you've been to school or if you haven't been to school. Your, your calling is to do the Lord's work the Lord's way. I don't care how important you think you are or how less than you think you are. I don't know how much money you have or how you have nothing. Your calling is to do the Lord's work the Lord's way. Don't, listen, do not change it and don't stop preaching it until he comes. Keep choo-chooing and chugging-chugging and whatever you want to call it down the tracks of glory. Amen? Don't stop going. Whoo! My Lord, my Lord. That's all right, my call. Last scripture, let's read this. When did they bring my watch this morning? I don't have a clock down here, so I don't know what time it is. It's time to get right with the Lord is what it is, all right? Go to 1 Thessalonians. Let me read this because this is so, so important. These are the words of God to you and to me. We should celebrate, walk out of here, smelling our Bible going, whew, how sweet the smell, right? This is a good word. This bread is living. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's look together. Verse 13, we'll pick up there. And usually this is reserved for funerals. Actually, this is Adrian's fault that I'm preaching this this morning because we were talking about funerals. We talked about people dying. And I said, you know, this is usually reserved, even though it's the truth. And as God worked in my heart at Christmas, it tied itself right back into the scripture, right into the message today. So we would have been finished by now if it hadn't been for Adrian Staley, just for the record. Go to chapter 4, verse Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. This is important. Listen. Write this down. I've got it circled. I've got it underlined. I've got dot, dot, will, 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 the living. I've got all kind of notes in, my, in the Word. I hope that you write in your Bible sometimes. Don't make new scripture. But circle those promises on, Lord, have mercy. That's for me. Watch this. Let's go for this ride. Here we go. One last ride. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, not stupid. Stupid is you can't learn. Ignorant is you don't know. Know the difference? Paul wasn't calling anybody stupid. He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant because all these things have been said. People said, Jesus already come. People said, you're never going to see your loved ones again. All these things are being said by those false believers, right? Those false ones that pretend to be believers. My brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant, okay? I don't want you to not know. That's what he's been saying here. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. These are people who have died. These are Christians who have died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So that means we are the ones with hope, and the rest of the world has no hope. What a sad situation to be in over here. If you're over here in this camp, listen, if you have no hope this Christmas season, that's why the joy is in Christmas, because we have found the hope. He's found us, I should say, and we've received the forgiveness of salvation. I have the hope of eternal life inside of me. Poor old sorry people. Hope they find it one day. 
Get your stinking self back over to this pool and get in the middle of them and tell them about Jesus Christ. On Sunday, you run back and get refreshed with your brothers and sisters. Get charged up. Get ready to go and go back in this pool Monday through Saturday, right? Get over here. Let's swim a little bit. Share the gospel. Bring somebody with you and then watch them get safe and watch this group grow as that group dwindles. That's our calling. Our rescue. Listen, be the rescue hero of somebody's life. Go do the Lord's work the Lord's way. Go back in for somebody. Go, go visit just somebody. Don't stay there. I'm not telling you to go to the bars and hang out. I'm just going to drink milk. I used to be an alcoholic, but I'm just going to sip a little milk. The devil's going to hook you. Don't go back into the bars unless God specifically calls you. And you better take somebody a whole lot stronger than you. Don't go to the industry that's, listen, that's serving Satan and say, I'm going to go back in there and step in there and just be, a, I'm just going to be a witness to the Lord. Y'all, we know there's people with different jobs. But I want to tell you, listen, as you, as you prepare yourself and the Lord, you're in a calling of a, of a job that's just sin city, stay there until the Lord gives you something else to do, right? But on orbit, when he tells you to get out, slingshot yourself out, right? Come out and go right into the new calling he's called you to do. Amen? Keep doing what you're called to do until the Lord says get out. But when he, get, when he says get out, get out quick and do his bidding. But he might give you opportunity to go back in and get somebody that you know because you know what they're living on. They have no hope. Verse 14, for if, a big if, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, church, do you believe that? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. This is your brothers, your sisters, your fathers, your mothers, your spouses, your grandparents, people you don't even know that are Christians. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Y'all ready for 16? Here we go. We're at the top of the sliding board. We're about to go down. Y'all, hold on. It's going to take your breath away. For the Lord himself, and here's another word. I read all these words, will. Look how many wills are in there. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with whom? The Lord. Verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you feel comforted this morning? You afraid of dying? People are afraid of COVID-19? Listen, it's real stuff. We should take every protection we can take against it. But I'm not afraid of COVID-19. I'm not afraid of heart attacks, strokes. I don't want them. I don't want any of that mess. But I know this body was, listen, it was formed in sin because of Adam and Eve, and it's going to feel the effects of sin until Jesus comes and gives me a new body. But I'm not afraid. I'm not stupid. I don't want to go out and lie. I told you I wouldn't lick doorknobs when COVID-19 was exposed. I'm not licking doorknobs today. You understand? If you're sick, stay home. If you're weak, obviously take care of yourself as best you can. Don't expose yourself. But listen, if COVID-19 gets you, if the flu gets you, if heart attack gets you, if cancer gets you, we're going to do your funeral. And we're going to look forward to seeing you again face to face. I'll do your funeral for free. And you'll be sure, listen, I just want you to tell Jesus, hey, Clint says hello. Even though he knows I'm saying it because I'm saying it daily. You ever think about people, listen, people that are dying, being a pastor, there's some, 
Some people said, it's awkward and weird that you do that. I tell people that are dying, hey, tell Jesus, I said, hey, because I'm coming, right? I don't know when it is, but I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to see my Lord face to face. While I'm here on earth, I'm going to love him and do things as best I know how his way. Will I make up make mistakes? Yes, you've been around me longer than a day. You know, I'm fallible. I'm corrupt in, in those situations. Ask my wife. She'll tell you the truth. I make mistakes. I sin against God. I have to ask God, will you forgive me on a regular basis? But I come to a place that I believe this to be true. Let me give you the rest of the notes. Get you out of here. When we share the good news of great joy with the world, some believe, some do not. Those who believe are the people of hope. Those who do not are the people of no hope. What a sad, sad, I used to be here. This week, my uh, pastors uh, that it led me to Christ, because I told you when I was a kid, I said some words, I was baptized, I, was, I lived a life not honoring God, and when I got into the military, God really brought about convictions. I truly had not been saved, and I told you the pastor I visited with, he told me to get on your knees and pray this prayer. He was much louder than me. I hope he's watching today. He's not doing well right now, he's sickly. But his wife sent me a picture for Christmas via Facebook Messenger, and I don't have it on my mobile. I just have to come up to the church as a picture uh, of me being baptized. And Kenzie said, you need to show that to some people. I'm like, what? It's not proof. I, I'm proof enough living, but she said, no, some people just need to be inspired because I was 21 years old. Then I settled it with God, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I'd been saved. And I followed through immediately with baptism. I don't just preach it. I did it. This love letter, listen, we have from Christ. When we share the good news of great joy with the world, some will believe, some do not. We know working for Jesus is never in vain. It is he who changes lives. God gives the sinner the gift of what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't forget that's what Romans 6.23 tells us. God, we must continue to work for the Lord while listening for the trumpet of God. Any of y'all play trumpet? I was down in Jacksonville, First Baptist of Jacksonville. The pastor's preaching this message of rescue, and I was getting so excited. I'm into the message. He's intertwining the rescue with us during the Iraqi war, and one of our pilots went down. Our fighter pilots went down, and he turned his beacon on. He flipped his beacon on, and the beacon was going out. Distress, distress, distress. And then he talked about us here on earth. We're sending out a beacon. Every time you pray, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come, right? My, my financial, my wealth, my health, whatever it is, I'm having a stressful life. And then he go back and talk about, hey, but rescue is on the way. And the Lord Jesus is on the way. And I can still remember the sermon, and I'm getting into the sermon, and I'm up in the balcony that seats 10,000 seats in this auditorium. It was Jerry Vines preaching. And I'm so into the message, I'm like, that's what a great parallel. And then he talks about the, the, um, when the F F-14s fly through, to clear the way, you hear literally their sound system. It's, I used to be in the Navy, next to F 14s taking off. It sounded exactly like a 14 coming through. It just shook the whole building. And it caught me off guard. And I'm back into the message. And then he talked about the rescue, how it was coming. They're coming. They're on the way. The beacon's going off. Help me. Help me. Help me. Our prayer is going to heaven. Help me. Help me. Help me. And then all of a sudden he said, Then the rescue helicopters come in, and you could hear the, uh, you could hear the Apaches come through, with this, and then the Hueys, the slapping. If you've ever ridden on a Huey, you know what that sound is. It's just a slap sound. And the rescue helicopter got there. And then he said, The trumpet of the Lord's going to sound. And then they had these, I don't know what the trumpets are called, the fancy king's trumpeteers. I didn't see them yet because I'm, I'm in the balcony, I'm all into the message. And there's about 12 of them stood behind me with those trumpets. 
and they cut loose with, a, I don't know what the tune was, I don't know what it was, but it was a dun-da-da, it was something, and I stood up like, whoa, I'm gone. I, I, I thought the Lord had just come back. I literally stood up right like this, you know. That's how much I believe it. I thought Jesus had come that Sunday morning, scared me to death, but I was excited at the same time. And then whenever nothing happened, I was like, are you kidding me? I turned around, these men are in this regalia blowing their trumpets. I'm like, man, that was a great message until that, right? That was, the only way to finish that message with great anticipation is to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It was powerful. I still remember today. Are you looking for the, listen, are you listening for the trumpet? He's coming. Listen, this is the last part. I hope this is inspirational to you, the last part. God set a day for Jesus to enter humanity. Is that true? As the Christ child. That's why we celebrate Christmas. God set the days for Jesus to die on the cross, be buried in a tomb, and come back to life. Is that true? That's why we celebrate Easter. God has set the day for the church to be raptured, and that is why we continue preaching the gospel to all who will accept it. And that last part I put it in red, I hope it's in red in the bulletin. Keep looking up because he's coming again. Amen. Amen. Are you listening for the trumpet? Are you ready? Listen, Christmas is more than some Christmas story, some Christmas hymn, some little manger scene. Christmas is all about God's plan of salvation for all of mankind, not to condemn anybody, but whoever will call upon his name to be saved and live forever with him. If we can rejoice here and now, how about what Jesus is all about? Can you imagine what it's going to be like in heaven around the throne of God? Woo, it's going to be awesome. I hope you're going. So the question is clear. We ask on a regular basis. Do you know that you know that you know that you're going? COVID-19 finally gets you and whips you and you die. Are you going to die and go to heaven? You say, if I don't know today, listen, if you don't know, listen, that is not what Jesus came for so that you can be confused. He is, the Bible says he is not the author of confusion. Satan is that. He didn't come to take away all your fun away. Listen, he came to give you life and give you life to the full, to the abundance. I like being a Christian. I got something to tell you about. I, I'm no longer just talking about me. I talk about Jesus. There's a purpose for living. Friends, listen, here's the deal. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you do, that knowledge replaces that fear of not knowing. If there's any doubt, if you come to a place, Lord, I'm not sure. Do you think Jesus up in heaven like this going, I told you back in 2010, and you ain't listening to me then. That's not how he is. He's a loving, heavenly father. All who will come upon the scene, I believe he's got his arms up and wide like this, saying whoever wants to come into the kingdom, come into the kingdom. I want you to know that you're going to be saved. This is a safe place. This is the place of hope. This is the season of hope. I sent my only begotten son to the world that you might believe on him and be saved. I don't want you to be condemned. But if you choose to be condemned, I will not force you into Hopeville, if you will. He never forces. So anybody goes to heaven today, they go to heaven, why? Because he's invited them and they've received his free gift his invitation through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. But anyone who does not go to heaven today is because they have chosen. I hear that, but I don't want to give up all my sin. You don't know what my life's like. My life's too much fun. I don't want to give up my drinking. I don't want to give up my party. I don't want to give up my stuff. Okay. He's not going to force you. Stay in the no hope camp. But you stand condemned when you're here. 
from your mother's womb until you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You stand condemned by God. Not by man, by God. So listen, I want to encourage you this Christmas season, settle it. If you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, simply ask him. This is the party invitation. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for my sins. Will you forgive me of my sins? I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you're alive today. And I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And as soon as you ask him, he's a gentleman. He says, yes. It's a simple yes. Give me $5,000, crawl on your knees all the way to New Ellington, right? It's not what he does. He's a loving father. Just come just as you are. Don't clean up. Don't get nothing ready. Come just like you are. I'll clean you up. I'll get you ready. And that's how we're born again. That's how Nicodemus had to come, by faith in the message of Jesus. Y'all listen, this is the message we have today. This is what Christmas is about. Not just some little baby in a manger. Not some three wise men song. Three we three kings song. This is about eternal life. This is about the message of hope that life is real. Life is hard, but there's a God in charge of life. And we can receive him as our Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father God, we do pray and thank you so much, Lord. We know that Christmas is a great time of celebrating. We get with family, eat foods we don't eat the rest of the year sometimes. And we do things, we have fun. Maybe we take vacations. Maybe we do special things. We give gifts. But Father, I pray this Christmas season we would put all the celebration of the season itself aside and see the very reason that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior coming to earth to fulfill what the calling was, that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, that he would fulfill the calling of Jesus, Savior, and save his people from their sins. Lord, I can't help but believe because you're putting off your coming. I know the day's planned. You've got a few more people to save. Father, we have a few more of your saints that need to get off the pews and get out and preach the gospel to those who will hear and believe and those who won't hear and won't believe. We're not the judge, Lord, you are. The message is not our message, it's your message. But you call us to be faithful, to preach it until you come, knowing that you're with us, never to leave us nor forsake us. I praise you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.